genre. Back to the Doctor's Companion presents Doctor Who: The Long Way Around, the weekly podcast where we d- review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one Doctor at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Cass Fredrickson, and I'm Nick Jimenez. Today on the show, we'll be discussing Battlefield, the Seventh Doctor's ninth story. Um, this is the start. The, the season premiere of the final season of classic Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, we have, uh, you know, we've got our new, <laughs> we've got our new, um, our new script editor, Andrew Cartmill, uh, kind of, you know, this is like his second season now at this point. And uh, just, I think killing it at this point. And it's a bummer that, you know, the show ended because like, I think I just imagine like the things that he could have accomplished going into the nineties, mm-hmm. um, as the, as the doctor who script editor. Um, it, it's just a uh, lot of, a lot of promise in these first three stories, um, of this final season, not so much in the final story, <laughs> although <laughs> it has its merit. It, it has its merits. It's a fun story. It's not, it's just not anything to write home about. Um, but, uh, uh, it does, it does feature the master with cat eyes though. So, yeah, you know. the master is canonically That's a cat a- boy. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, he's also, he's also canonically a possession slug. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. So, 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 uh, battlefield, um, which, uh, rules absolute banger, um, all time banger, uh, battlefield, um, got started when, uh, writer Ben Aronovich and script editor, Andrew Cartmill, who were like buddies, um, they were, uh, working on a, on a, on a pitch for, um, Ben to, to write an episode of, uh, of, of Dr. Who. And he came up with like, Oh, like what if we did, night to the round table, which you guys have never done, which is crazy. Um, but what if we did it? And, and it was like, well, well, the reason we haven't done it is because like per- period stuff is expensive and like, you know, nights and castles and all that's, it's expensive. So that's why we've never done it. He's like, what if we brought them to modern day? So then we just have to have like five, like, like three or four suits of armor and nothing else. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Then we could do it. So <laughs> he comes up with this, um, with this storyline now at the same time that he's working on the storyline for what will become a uh, battlefield. This is early 1987. This episode aired in 1989. Um, and that's because during as as we talked about when we talked about remembrance of the Daleks, 
Um, that was the story that uh, Aronovich wasn't planning on writing, and they asked him to like stop what he was doing and write this instead. Um, so he wrote Remembrance of the Daleks and then uh, circled back around to this for the next season. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and during that time, you know, it's, it's, it went through several iterations. Um, at this time, it was called Storm Over Avalon, which pretty wow. cool That's name. dope. <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool name. Um, and uh, was expanded from a three-episode uh, structure to a four-episode structure. Um, and... Uh, so, so uh, during this, um, during during all these rewrites, um, at, at one stage of his uh, writing, <clears throat> um, uh, Bambera was an American captain acting on behalf of a joint U.S.-European initiative code named Camelot, um, <laughs> and uh, there was there was a uh, supporting character named Lavender uh, Warmington who was later changed into a male character because um, John Nathan Turner was concerned there was too many women in this story. Uh, (laughs) And (laughs) I was like, I I mean, there's more than normal, I guess, but like, (laughs) you know, it's still not even half. I don't know. I'm starting to get uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's starting to be close to five. Uh, yeah. Um, so, and then at the, at the, at this time as well, the Asian student that, um, befriends Ace was named Ty. Glad that changed. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and Ace in the opening of the story found a design for something and decided to take it upon herself to like, mess around in the TARDIS and build this thing that she found schematics for. And it turns out it's a sonic screwdriver. Uh, and so Ace is wielding a sonic screwdriver this whole story for the first time since the visitation, um, the fifth Doctor story, when they they killed <laughs> they killed the sonic screwdriver. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Ace was supposed to get a sonic screwdriver in the story. And... Uh, yeah. That would have been was pretty gonna great. just like keep using it like instead of the yeah doctor. of course yeah yeah it's hers um, by right right because she built it like a lightsaber uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so and that would um, really fit with kind of the uh, the theme of nostalgia of celebrating the show's past that the story has yeah mm-hmm. absolutely um so also like at this point um. It, they were basically uh, <laughs> uh, Aronovich w- asked the production like, hey, are we is anything happening with with the Brigadier? Because um, that would be cool. Like, I would like to bring back the Brigadier because apparently he's like a big fan of the Brigadier. And he was like, I just think his last two stories, Modern Undead, which we're actually covering on the next season of uh, of long way around um we uh, uh and and the five doctors uh those two stories like didn't really do justice for brigadier who was like this you know huge character um in the show and was sort of a character that you could circle back to every once in a while and he was mm-hmm. like i just feel like 
the end that they gave him in Modern Undead wasn't good enough, and I would like to write a definitive ending for the Brigadier. And they reached out to um, uh, to uh, Nicholas Courtney, and he was like, hell yeah, I'll come back. Um, I'm pretty sure the Doctor Who's going to get canceled, so I want you to kill me. And so they're <laughs> like, okay. So they're like going to write the death of, of, uh, of, of uh, Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart. And um, at this point... Um, the, <laughs> uh, okay. So at this point, the end of this move of, of this, of this story is, uh, Morgane, um, uh, plans to sacrifice Ace. Um, otherwise, uh, the demon she had raised would eradicate all life on earth, uh, sealing the portal between this dimension and Morgane's, um, which by the way, uh, uh dear listeners in this iteration of, of, uh, Morgane, a.k.a. Morgana Le Fay, and the Arthurian legend and all of that stuff. Um, they are from an alternate universe. At one point, uh, they had hoped to design suits of armor that would, like, at a glance, look like medieval suits of armor, but were actually, like, super futuristic and, like, um, because they were coming from another dimension. Uh, but they decided, like, no, it would be cheaper for us just to rent suits of armor from, like, BBC's library of costumes <laughs> than um, create stuff uh, that was original. So that's that's what they ended up doing. That's fair. Um, but uh, uh, what's that? <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so uh, at this point... Um, Lethbridge Stewart hears about this and calls in an airstrike against the demon. Um, and then in this airstrike, he is mortally wounded and dies. His death satisfies the demon who gets out of there. Um, he's like, that's enough. The, the greatest man who's ever lived died. So <laughs> I am satiated and then leaves. Um, then uh, uh, Bambera kills... Uh, Mordred to save Anselin. Uh, Morgane uh, submits to the Doctor and and to Unit. And uh, Bambera accompanies Anselin back to his dimension, where the Doctor would continue traveling through time and space in honor of Lethbridge Stewart. That's right. This would end with the Doctor going to another dimension and continuing his travels in the other dimension, not in ours. What? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the doctor being traveling to another universe it sounds crazy <laughs> <laughs> so um but like but like you know i i assume he would come back eventually but yeah just going to that other universe and hanging out and and visiting other planets in that universe what's a what's an alternate universe dalek look like who knows could look like anything um really cuddly. maybe they're spider creatures in that world uh, <laughs> who yeah. knows so anyway um, we are radicals. <laughs> yeah, they're the good guys. In that we universe. hold no rank. <laughs> um, so let's see. So, um, some other things were uh were changed. Um, Ace's sonic screwdriver was dropped. Um, Bambera, who was not was was again an American soldier in the original version, now became the new unit brigadier. Um, and any involvement of the USAF was removed. Uh, and uh, Ace's friend Ty was renamed to Shu, which is much better. Um, and uh, But 
the new ending of this was that um, the the demon uh, reanimates dead knights from throughout history and turn them into zombie like servants. This thing does does Army of Darkness like <laughs> like four years before Army of Darkness does wow. Army of Darkness. Um, and then the the brigadier would survive the airstrike, but then would slay the demon with Excalibur only to be fatally injured by the resulting feedback. Um, and that that's how they were going to write out Brigadier. He was going to go out wielding Excalibur, killing a demon. <laughs> um, and, uh, and John Ethan Turner was like, no, 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 that's far too metal for this show. Um, <laughs> you're going to have to tone it down. That's way too cool. That's way too cool. Um, <laughs> but he's the ultimate Brit. He's the ultimate Brit. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Either oh. his de- death satiates the demon or he kills the demon with Excalibur. Either way, he's the greatest uh, British um, citizen that's ever lived. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, double knighted. So, uh, so that went through um, some more iterations. Uh, originally... Um, John Nathan Turner, uh, hoped to get Graham Harper to direct this, um, uh, you know, having directed Revelation of the Daleks in 85 and of course, um, Caves of Androzani, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> I was really hoping to bring him back. I'm trying to imagine Graham Harper directing, <laughs> directing Battlefield and I'm just like, holy shit, this incredible. <laughs> and it's already so good, but yeah. I just, I'm just like, oh my God. Um, uh, instead, uh, they hire Nicholas Mallet, who had previously, uh, directed Paradise Towers. Um, you know, uh, I think we could have put fingers crossed for like a Pex reunion, um, <laughs> at some point. Uh, um, <laughs> Zom, Zompex. Yeah. <laughs> Zompex. Uh, so, but, um. Uh, Nicholas Courtney uh, had um, signed on to do a stint on uh, Madame Butterfly and was like, I'm going to have trouble with the scheduling of this. So um, can you guys help me out and figure this out? And so he negotiated with Madame Butterfly and with Doctor Who to figure out a schedule where they would alternate the shoot between Curse of Fenric and Battlefield every other week. Um and uh, Curse of Fenric being the, the following story. And so they settled up with this uh, this structure. But, of course, as a result of this, it meant that um, uh, director Nicholas Mallet would have to go on to uh, Curse of Fenric rather than Battlefield. And instead, they brought in um, Michael Kerrigan, uh, this being the only story that he directed. Um, he was just some guy like fresh out of the sort of uh, BBC directing like class, like fellowship or whatever. Um, and uh, had been like, you know, sort of uh, dropping hints that he wanted to direct for, uh, for Dr. Who. And so they finally, they let him do this um, because they needed somebody in a pinch. And uh, so they set all this up and then uh, Madam Butterfly was finally just like, yeah, you know what? You're too much trouble for this. Um, so, uh, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to go, um, and so they they recast uh, Nicholas Courtney, and he just was available for Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> so, 
Uh, I'm sure he, he did lots of stage work after that, so it's it's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah. Oh, the so play. we got a little switcheroo I, for the directors for no reason. I thought, I was trying to, like, was Madam Butterfly like a like a series back then? I've never heard of. Oh, <laughs> no, no, on stage. Um, so, let's see, what else? Um, I think that's it. Uh, eventually, yeah, eventually it became Battlefield. Um, and, uh. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, they the the only other uh, interesting note I think is the fact that um, the the uh, well, okay, two things. First of all, the actress who plays um, Morgane uh, is Jean Marsh, who had been a very short-lived uh, companion um, named Sarah Kingdom in uh, the Daleks' Master Plan. Um, kind of, I, I, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's like a very famous, uh, companion, um, short lived companion. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then would also, she was so short lived that they brought her back as a different character named Joanna in a, in another first doctor story called the crusade. Um, so she made the rounds during the, the first doctor era. Um, and now she was back to play, um, Morgane. I personally watching this, I was I was watching this story and thinking the whole time I was like, God, who does she remind me of? And I finally figured out that I think she looks like Elizabeth Mitchell, um, who played uh, Juliet on Lost. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. But huh? She. Yeah. I, there was like certain moments, certain looks that she would give. And I was like, oh, man, you look just like you look just like Juliet from Lost. Mm -hmm. Um uh, did Elizabeth Mitchell ever play a villain in something? I, then maybe that's what I'm associating it with. I'm not sure. I feel like uh, she yeah. wasn't a villain in The Purge. Um, I feel like was she in Once Upon a Time? Is that a show any of us watched? Yeah, and I think she was one of the witches. I think you're right. I think she was like an evil queen or something in that. I think you're right. Okay. That might be what I'm thinking of and <laughs> where the association in my brain is clicking. Um. <laughs> And then the other thing is that uh, Aronovich and um, uh, man, I forget everybody's names because they're not on the show for very long. Um, and Andrew Cartmill, <laughs> um, Ben Aronovich and uh, Andrew Cartmill really hit it off during this. And uh, Andrew Cartmill was sort of um, low key hoping that when he would eventually want to step down as a script editor that Ben Aronovich would take over as script editor at some point in the future. It's not like he was planning on leaving anytime soon, but he, that that's what he was. That's what his like sort of career plan. His career trajectory was, was like when I leave Dr. Who I'm going to leave it to this guy because he knows what's up. And uh, man, the future, the nineties Dr. Who really was looking bright. That's mm -hmm. the worst part about us reaching the end of Classic Who. Um, really, really sucks. That, Could have gone uh, to a rave. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I'm. I am. I am like ninety nine percent sure there is a Big Finish audio where they go to a rave. I think it's. I even think it's Seventh Doctor and Ace. I'm pretty sure. Bless. Oh hell yeah. Um, yeah. So. Um. So yeah. So that's Battlefield. Uh, an absolute all-timer banger, at least in my opinion. 
<laughs> what do you? But what do you guys think, Cass? I think you agree. Yes. Um. So this is my favorite McCoy story. Um. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely batshit. It has everything you could want. It's got the brigadier. It's got space knights. It's got a demon striptease. It's got racism. <laughs> It's got enemies to lovers. It's got pretty much everything. And Ace blows up a lot of stuff. So there you go. And it should be it should be it should be emphasized that we keep referring to this demon as if it's not the coolest fucking thing that's ever <laughs> happened on Doctor Who. Like this thing, this is the coolest creature. Like this is movie quality the creature design. The prosthetic looks awesome. It looks awesome. like something from Buffy. Yes. Yeah. It look it it's it's something from Buffy. It looks like the judge or whatever. Um, I mean it's it fucking rules <laughs> so hard. Um anyway. <laughs> Nick, what no, did for, you think? For for a show lovingly, but for a show that is known for its like, you know, less than impressive creature work a lot of the time. Yeah. Where, you know, it's like whatever they found in the bin and like, you know, we're on, yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, the first time you see Destroyer, it is just so above and beyond anything that I've seen of classic. Like, it had facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It drooled. It, was, it drooled. <laughs> uh, no, no, this is uh, this is an all banger. Uh, <laughs> you know, the best part. I've come to really love I think this the, era. I think that I think that was the I think that was the uh the MacGuffin in the Transformers movies, the all banger. The all banger. Uh, <laughs> Sam, get take the all banger. Yeah. <laughs> we must right. find the all banger. Get the all banger from the, the boy. <laughs> um I I uh you know the cool the great the great thing about doing the show this way. And like getting like it's like just when I'm getting like really like frustrated with the Colin Baker era, and I'm like, oh god, that's so gross, and uh, blah blah blah. It's like I always know right around the corner is this era mm-hmm. that has been consistently like delightful and fun and exciting, and yeah, I just think this is like one of the best scripts I've seen yet on Classic Who. Mm-hmm. There's like so many moments. And I could just like imagine watching this as a, like a, a Doctor Who fan in the eighties and being like, "Oh my god!" Like they're doing this and they're bringing. Yeah, it, I'm surprised this was the premiere because it feels like a finale. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Unfortunately, there's only three more stories left. So uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Well, let's get into the first episode. Battlefield, Part 1, written by Ben Aronovich, directed by Michael Kerrigan, produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Andrew Cartmel, air date 6th of September, 1989. Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart is enjoying retirement with his wife Doris, while the new unit brigadier, Winifred Bambera, deals with equipment failures and peculiar sightings of armor-clad knights while in a nuclear missile convoy. Meanwhile, the Seventh Doctor and Ace, lured to the area by a distress signal so powerful that it even crosses universes, hitches a ride with an archaeologist excavating an old battlefield nearby, only to find it's been taken over by unit soldiers. 
The doctor finds old unit identification to get himself an ace into the unit camp, where they meet Brigadier Bambera, who confiscates the passes and ejects Ace and the doctor from the convoy. But one unit soldier, who had previously served under Lethbridge Stewart, recalls unit's former scientific advisor, his eccentricity, his ability to change appearance, and his tendency to attract trouble. Intrigued, Bambera gives the doctor and Ace a lift to the nearby Gore Crow Hotel and asks unit headquarters to recall Lethbridge Stewart into duty. At the hotel, Ace befriends a young woman named Shao, while the doctor talks to the innkeeper. She is blind but psychic and knows that the ancient scabbard over the inn's fireplace is an object of tremendous and mysterious power. Ace and Shao are chatting outside the hotel when the doctor joins them just in time to witness something crash into the innkeeper's microbrewery. It is revealed to be a knight in full armor, and when his helmet is removed, he warmly greets the doctor as Merlin. The knight's name is Anselin, who refers to the distress signal intercepted by the TARDIS as Excalibur's Call, and claims that it heralds the start of a final war and King Arthur's restoration to the throne. The doctor surmises that the coming battle isn't properly part of this dimension at all, and belongs to a parallel universe. But before he can test the theory, an exasperated Brigadier Bambera storms into the microbrewery and declares everyone under arrest. She is interrupted by the unexpected arrival of more extra-dimensional knights who prepare to kill the group. We start off this absolute banger of a story with the Brigadier retired and plant shopping with his wife. (laughs) Um, it's, It's the best. And he's just like, now where is that bloody cashier? (laughs) (laughs) He's like in the home and garden center. (laughs) It's it's like the beginning of a Taken movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. Um, He's he's out of the game. He's happy. He's with um, his wife. What was her name? His wife. I think this is her first appearance, right? I don't His remember wife? if she's in Modern Undead or not. Yeah, I can't remember either. Is this a but like Columbo's wife ago that I kind of think maybe not? I don't know. <laughs> Is this a Columbo's wife situation where would he refer to having a wife, but mm-hmm. she was like never seen? Yeah, because we we talked about that in the third Doctor story that we covered uh, this round, where he right. wakes he he wakes up in bed, but you only see half the bed. He's like, you're going to wake up my wife that I definitely have, you know. (laughs) But now, canon. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We also meet uh, the new brigadier um, in this because we we run into some unit soldiers. And then they're like, hold on, the brigadier is coming. And then it's like a lady, um, Mm -hmm. which is is fun. Um, One... (laughs) I'm glad this wasn't one too many ladies for for John Nathan Turner. <laughs> she made the cut. What, um, what was her name? Bambera? Yeah, Brigadier Bambera. Bambera. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite supporting characters I've seen on Classic Who so far. She's, uh, yeah, she's really good. I think that there's room, there, w- there was room to improve her just because, like, I liked how aggro she was, but there was like, 
<laughs> there was an absolute lack of softness of any t- kind where like even when she's like flirting later it's like aggro it's like aggro flirting yeah but he's into it so I, like yeah 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 no i know um, but it's just she's she comes across as a little one note to me unfortunately there, I wish, there I is wish one there were, like layers to her there is one vulnerable moment and i can't remember what i think this might be episode four but um the battle has happened and um uh, Sir Askren, what was that guy's name? A- Askren, Akarain. I was, I was having, it was, I was having trouble. Anselin, 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 um, Anselin. I was I having trouble it sticking name. to my head as well. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Um, so Anselin and uh, Bambara are on the battlefield, and like Bambara, like looks down at, at the corpse of a dead knight of a, of, a, of an uh, enemy knight, and she's like, oh man. Like, you know, the slings and arrows, like, what, what are we, you know, we're just soldiers, yeah. you know, like inside. And then, uh, Asinine is like, Hey, you want to go out sometime? Like, <laughs> what, was what was his name? Asselin. 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 Oh, it's going to happen the whole show. Um, he was like flirting and she was like, what, dude, like, come on, there's a dead body like right there. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm he's holding more. It. Yeah, <laughs> it's in my arms. Yeah. Um, so uh, one thing that I wanted to point out, um, I guess, uh, which they reveal like exactly one time and then they never really refer to it again. But it's the fact that um, they're in 1997. So this is technically the future, mm. um, which is odd but yeah unit wears little berets and uh and camo that is so brightly saturated um that like i don't even know that you can call it camouflage anymore like i don't i i feel like they would stand out in a forest wearing that camo that's funny very bright uh, it's like the camo you would get at like like an Aeropostale in the two thousands, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like bejeweled or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like a bejeweled <laughs> snake on it. <laughs> oh, there's a hell of, there's a, two two great snakes in a row, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get to. Let's it. see. So we get uh, the Doctor and Ace hitchhiking, and the the unit the unit truck just <laughs> like ignores them and drives past. Which is pretty great. <laughs> the driver is um, like, "Hey, they're hitchhikers," and Burma's like, "Yeah, they sure are." <laughs> <laughs> and then they're picked up by uh, this guy who is um, the lead. Like, uh, yeah, he's like the lead. Uh, His name was like Warmly, right? Like Fred Warmly. Yeah. So I think this was this was the character that was supposed to be the woman that they rewrote to be a man. I mm. think it was this guy. Um. Uh. Yeah. He's like uh, Warmsly. Warmsley, yeah, I believe that's right. Um, that's the the yeah, archaeologist. Yeah, yeah, lead archaeologist, uh, looking at like medieval stuff. Mm. <laughs> uh, the Scott, you mentioned you mentioned Transformers earlier, and it's funny uh, when the suits of armor are like falling into the atmosphere, and then people think that they're missiles. I got like O seven Transformers vibes. Oh, sure. Yeah, Michael Bay should have directed this. Um, sure, he, he should have directed a lot of Doctor Who. <laughs> should have. Uh, there, there is at least one episode coming up this season that 
directed by Michael Bay probably would have improved. Um, but uh, <laughs> that episode is Fear Her. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying womp, to imagine womp. him directing directing the scene where the tenth Doctor has the the Olympic torch. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, he would have he would have directed the shit out of that. <laughs> it, it would have been 80, 82 shots. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Anyway, um, there would have been explosions when he <laughs> set it a... into the slot. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um. So anyway, American flag, <laughs> an American flag, definitely. <laughs> um, I love uh, the doctor's pockets being full of stuff. Mm-hmm. Love that. Always love that. Big fan of that. Um, there's the so the doctor and Ace they like burst into like a unit, uh, like uh, I don't know, like a mobile center, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, and the doctor starts explaining stuff, and the new brigadier is like, "No, we're not. We're not doing this. I don't know. I don't know who you are, who you think you are, but you need to get out of here." Um, and then she's like, "Way to go, asshole! You just let these people in. They got old date, like like super old credentials. Like you just let anybody in." He's like, "Well." I did. I, I used to work with. Uh, I know you tell me never to mention his name, but I used to work with <laughs> Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart. I'm sorry. Uh, and, um, and the greatest man who ever lived. And, yeah, the greatest man who's ever lived. Um, and uh, <laughs> and there used to be this guy named the Doctor, but like it was kind of confusing because like sometimes he'd be one guy and then he'd be another guy and then he'd be a, a third guy. And apparently he's the same guy, but he looks different. And she just keeps coming up with scenarios of like what this could mean. Like, oh, interesting. He takes disguises. He's like, no, no. He's like a completely different person, a completely different person that calls himself the doctor each time. And he's like, no, no, no. Same guy, completely different person. And she's like, I don't understand how that's possible. He's like, welcome to my world, lady. I don't know either. (laughs) Um, as he's getting out, the doctor has a line where he's like, I got one word for you. Daleks, Cybermen, Yetis. <laughs> like he just like starts listing adversaries yeah. that he's had. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, she's like, whatever, get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so then uh, uh, I think at this point they call up um, our brigadier uh, as he's gardening. And uh, they're like, hey, um, we need the brigadier to come out of retirement. And and, he, and he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then his wife tells him, they said that uh, the doctor was in town. And he was like, God damn it. One last <laughs> ride. <laughs> Just like if anything's going to pull him out of retirement, it's the doctor. I love it so much. I love it. <laughs> I just love it as the idea of like this guy was like, we need a good send off for the brigadier. And there's literally you're pulling him out of retirement. There's a moment later in the story where he said he basically says, I'm too old for this shit. Uh huh. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of as he's when he's all like in his uniform, he's headed out the door and his wife is like, I just can't. I just don't know why you're heading out there. Does all of this mean like so little to you? And he's like, I'm sorry, darling. I have to go. The doctor needs my help. And. He's 
And she's like, well, like, I, I just didn't think why, like, why, why do you have to do this? Why do you have to put on a uniform and play soldier? And he says, I'm not playing. <laughs> and he like cocks I'm his gun. Mm-hmm. It's the best. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I truly feel that retired brigadier, like coming out of retirement for one last adventure brigadier is the brigadier finally self-actualized. Like it is, mm-hmm. it just like perfectly lines up with everything about his personality. Mm-hmm. Like it's just chef's kiss. Beautiful. Um, so anyway, <laughs> uh, Ace uh, makes friends at a pub. Yeah. Uh, I, this guy has a has a goddamn microbrewery going on uh, in 1997, which is pretty impressive. Um, uh, Ace tries to order a drink, but the doctor's like, hey. Hey, come on. I know you're 18, come but come on. <laughs> um, but luckily, her friend is like, no, no, no. It tastes bad. Don't don't drink it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like Xiao Young. I, I'm, I'm glad that she I'm glad that Ace had a buddy this whole story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wish she kind of continued on. I think that would have been a fun energy to have. Like just like two, two girlfriends and the doctor, like that would, that'd be fun. I don't know. They almost at times had kind of like a Marcy peppermint Patty thing where like, mm-hmm. like Ace was kind of like the leader, but, mm-hmm. and like, that's interesting the idea of like a companion having a sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> That is good. That's good, especially with like their plans for Ace um, and where the direction they wanted to take her, which was basically to like the doctor was teaching her how to be a Time Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Uh, that would have been fun for her to have her own companion and her own sonic screwdriver. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's, you know, she has that energy. I mean, she's like. I think she's been my favorite class and companion, but like, I don't know. She's like in such fine form, this whole story. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, a knight smashes uh, through his distillery <laughs> through the ceiling, ceiling of the distillery. Um, and they go check it out. And uh, first they go check it out. And first uh, a new brigadier shows up and she's like, I'm, Stop where you are. I'm arresting you. And then mm. some other, the bad knights show up <laughs> and they're like, what up? We're going to kill you, actually, including you, the one with the gun. Mm-hmm. And then that's the cliffhanger. Bad knights. Bad knights. Mm. Mordred. Well, we don't know that yet. Mm. They're just bad knights. One of them, yeah. one of them, <laughs> one of them just has an open, open mouth, like the mouth of Sauron. Like just his little, yeah. That's who. That's who that was. That was the mouth of of Morgan. Battlefield Part Two, written by Ben Aronovich, directed by Michael Kerrigan, produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Andrew Cartmill. Air date: thirteenth of September, nineteen eighty nine. The lead knight is Anselin's sworn enemy, Mordred, who also recognizes the Doctor as Merlin. He warns the Doctor that his mother, Morgane, will return soon. Mordred retreats, unwilling to face the doctor, and the rest of the party retreat back to the hotel. Mordred begins a strange ritual intended to link his home dimension to this one and allow Morgane to cross over. 
As the ritual succeeds, the scabbard on the wall of the hotel lounge breaks free and sails across the room towards the lake before implanting itself in a wall. The doctor realizes what is happening but cannot stop it, and Morgaine crosses over. Officially out of retirement and on his way to the unit convoy, Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart's helicopter is taken down by Morgaine as a demonstration of her power. The helicopter pilot manages to crash land safely despite this, and the brigadier sets off in search of the doctor. The archaeologist from earlier shows the doctor an ace around the dig site and points out a mysterious inscription. The doctor recognizes his own handwriting, instructing him to dig a hole, which he asks Ace to do with some well-placed explosives. At the bottom is an 8th century tunnel made of cement, a substance that shouldn't have existed in medieval times. At the end of the tunnel is a strange room. Ace and the doctor look in vain for some way out until the doctor simply commands the door to open and it obeys. As they proceed, the doctor explains that Merlin must have built the spaceship it appears they are in and that he is Merlin or will be which is why the door opened at his command. In the topmost level of the spaceship, they find King Arthur in suspended animation, along with the sword Excalibur. Ace accidentally draws Excalibur, which triggers an automated defense system that traps her in an airtight chamber, rapidly filling with water, while the doctor is knocked unconscious, helpless, as she begins to drown. So, um, episode two starts... <laughs> the Mad Knight starts to is like, I'm actually gonna kill you, and she just shoots him in the face, <laughs> just like full blown, bam, shoots yeah. him in the face. Vera <laughs> has he's no got chill. real good armor, yeah. So that doesn't work out for him, but uh, he for her. But then he takes his mask off and he reveals that he's he's Mordred, um, the uh, you know famous uh, character of Arthurian legend, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then recognizes the doctor as Merlin. Yes. That that cuz that yes. reveal happens towards the end of episode 1 where the the good knight uh Anselin is just like, "Oh, it's Merlin." And the doctor's like, "Oh, okay. I'm Merlin." He's like, "Yeah." Um oh. and it's it's oh. revealed that like the doctor is Merlin in some time in his future, like his personal future. Um right. Which I am. Is this the first time that's happened? Yes. Uh, in, in Doctor Who, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah. I think so. But that—that's <laughs> a concept I'm obsessed with and have been obsessed with for the past like decade since I've watched this for the first time. Um, and I'm super mad that they didn't actually do like a nice of the round table story with Matt Smith because that would have fit the vibe perfectly. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, I want to write for Doctor Who. I, I want to write this story. <laughs> <laughs> I love this too. And honestly, like, you know, this story in particular, like the whole, and they do really fun stuff with the, the idea of the doctor being Merlin in his future. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of did imagine. Matt Smith's doctor being the one to right, you know, it just yeah. is like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is that's my headcanon because the the whole yeah. theme of See, that, me, like of of his of his doctor at the very beginning was like all that fairy tale stuff, and I was like, oh, that yeah, would be perfect, um, and then they never did it. Yeah, that is very true. I will g- give you that, but to me, it's like it's Capaldi, mm-hmm. Capaldi as Merlin. Mm. Oh man! Just like Capaldi and like a long beard. <laughs> <laughs> just 
and like playing guitar in a corner and people were like, what is this madness? He's playing electric guitar. <laughs> yeah. Everybody like, it's magic. And he's like, sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, but in any I event, like... it's really cool. What is, yeah. uh, what, I, I don't remember what story it is. I think it is, I think it is during a Moffat, it feels like a Moffat joke, but like that joke where somebody was like, don't bring up fictional character. Don't, don't bring up like, uh, uh, like mythical characters. Oh I, yeah. And... It's like, oh, don't bring up wizards and stories. It's usually him. Yes. That's the one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, that's the line. Yeah. Oh man. Um, <laughs> why not it's usually him <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> yeah i got um, a lot of moffat from this story in the same way that moffat isn't afraid of giving his characters big cool like i'm not playing like kind of action hero yeah. lines yeah this was this was also i think the first story where the script has finally outgrown the format mm. that they're stuck in mm. the sort of like serial like low budget you know afternoon serial sort of um structure that they're that they're on um like this is like the first time where it's like oh if this had been shot like columbo you know like in the in the 80s like like an 80s drama you know this could have been even better than it already is like this is the first one that it's like oh like cha- switching to a new format wouldn't have like done the script a disservice. This is like the first one where it's like, oh, that would have actually improved everything. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, really uh, when they're escaping, I really love um, Bambera and Asl- Al Ak- Axeline. Anselin, like like ancillary. Anselin, Anselin, like ancillary. Cool. Yes. Okay. Oh, uh, they just start like rolling around fighting on the ground. Yes. Oh, in the background. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. That was great. She's like doing flips and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, it rules. It's so good. Um... <laughs> the doctor's like, oh, they're just sorting each other's credentials. <laughs> so good. Um, so Morgane gets out. Um, I... I have always, with like all Arthurian le- legend, I've always preferred Morgana Le Fay as the the name of this character. Mm. So like everyone calling her Morgane, he's like, it was like bothering me. The whole <laughs> I know that's super dumb because she's like called different things and like different writer interpretations of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, she, so, so, um, she is the one that recognizes or, or, or says that Mer- Merlin has a new face. Yeah, many it's faces. Not, it's not specifically the seventh doctor mm-hmm. who was Merlin. It's a, it's a different iteration, um, which I think is interesting. Uh, the fact that it sort of like canonizes that, um, I think is interesting. And, and it's, again, it's like, we're now... And we're we're now like we're now dealing with like a second generation, maybe even a third generation, playing around with the continuity of of Doctor Who and like coming in and like shaking things up in new interesting ways. 
that the previous generations all just sort of like took for granted. Like, oh, yeah, the show is this and that's it. And that's what you do. And then this. Well, what if you found out that he's Merlin, but not in his past, in his future? Mm -hmm. It hasn't happened for him yet. And like, you know, because this is like the same time that things like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is like hitting theaters. Right. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, they're saying things like, well, if we if we promise ourselves that we'll do this in the future then it will have it for now we just have to do it you have to set it up later you know mm-hmm. and like thinking that like that like three-dimensional way that you you can with with time travel yeah it really feels like the writers are starting to gamify the concept and have fun with it and you yeah. can just imagine writers to come with doctor who being like oh we could do that well oh we could do this and this like you know he's like this it's you know it's even a bigger playground than we thought mm-hmm. yeah yeah that being said it does crack me up the idea that like in the 90s without a doubt in the 90s we would have had episodes written by Stephen moffat russell t davies and paul cornell so but cool. none of them probably would have been showrunner yeah they would have just you know like writing episodes because they all wrote like those books like those version books mm-hmm yeah, That's and Russell great. T. Davies was like even pitching on Doctor Who at this time, um, and he just never got a story picked up. That's insane. Because yeah, because they're adapting one of his pitches, big finishes. They're adapting one of his like it was like a six Doctor story. Oh, I think yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, so it's just uh, it, it's just really interesting the idea that like they could have come up during this time. Like next season, we could have had a Russell T. Davies penned episode of like classic who gosh <laughs> so crazy <laughs> that reminds me of like i remember back when avengers came out you would see these memes where it would be like the cast when they were younger and it's like here's what the avengers would have looked like if they had filmed in this period or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. and it's like just imagining those writers when they were at that level but still with all the passion that they have for doctor who just like yeah that's it's so crazy um, yeah, because 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 Moffat wrote Curse of Fatal Death, and that was in was that ninety nine when that happened? The Rowan Atkinson one. Yeah, I think that was like ninety nine. I'm pretty sure. Mm. Um, but uh, I don't know. I just find that <laughs> I find that fascinating because they were all just coming up in TV, mm-hmm. and they're like, you know, if the BBC was like, "What do you want to w- work on? What do you want to write for?" I mean, like all of them would be like Doctor Who. I want to write Doctor <laughs> Um, uh, the do- uh, the brigadier at this point is uh, in a helicopter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in a helicopter this whole story. A helicopter that never lands, flies all night long to the point where there's a joke about him falling asleep because he's an old man. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that helicopters could fly that long. I will be perfectly honest. I didn't know they held that much fuel and could I don't fly know if that they long. They can. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, We're introduced to the Brigadier. His pilot is uh, a fellow unit member named Lavelle. Mm -hmm. Right. And they had a cool little back and forth going. Uh, Yeah. When when uh, when Mark Morgan rises, comes into the into, you know, their dimension. Yeah. Um, there's a moment where like the whole gang is together in a, 
in like a warehouse and like it blacks out and everybody screams. Yeah, that was great. And I just I I love that <laughs> moment because it's just like this is so silly and did not need to be here, but I'm so glad that it's here. It reminded me of like kid it's horror. Not just ace. You know, like uh-huh. like are you afraid of the dark or something like that? Yeah, like, like goosebumps. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. The light suddenly goes out. Everybody Everyone screams. screams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um. So let's see. Uh. Oh, so the helicopter is finally coming near, and he's like, "All right, time to finally land." We've been in this plane for fourteen hours <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> um. And. And then Morgane is just like, ah, look at that stupid thing. I'm going to shoot it out of the sky. And then she just zaps it with her witch lasers that come out of her fingers. <laughs> and then it just immediately crashes. Uh, and the brigadier's like, you know what? I kind of missed this. <laughs> yeah. Every time I watch Star Wars now, I'm going to call Force Lightning witch lasers. And no one can stop me. <laughs> <Good. laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> You're right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She just what? shoots witch lasers out of her hand. My witch um, lasers. <laughs> and then uh and then the doctor and ace they go into a tunnel and uh they're like, Wait, I thought you said this tunnel was like from a really long time ago. Like how is it concrete? And they like touch it and it crumbles and they're like the the concrete's crumbling, and he's like, "Well, it's from like what did he say, like three hundred one A.D. or something like that." I think it like was like eighth century um, or whatever. Okay, um, what is the so so is the is the thought process that he as Merlin made these tunnels out of concrete because like he knows how to make concrete, and like no one else in the eighth century knows how to make concrete. Yes, I think because. I think he's kind of like he hasn't realized that he's built it yet. So he's assuming that like the alien knights have built it and they have like, you know, laser okay. guns and stuff. So they know how to make concrete. Um, and then. Yeah. And then. So is it is also what? Hold on. Which Merlin is he? Is he their Merlin or is he like, is he space Merlin or is he literal Merlin of legend Merlin? I don't know. And I think like. <laughs> Because, like, thinking of the story that precedes this that hasn't happened yet, um, like, does the Doctor just, like, get caught up in, like, this interdimensional, like, space night war and that's why he's Merlin? Or, like, because, like, they know that he's in, in this dimension and he, like, banishes uh, Morgane to, like, back home or whatever. So, yeah. I don't know. The headcanon that I was developing is... Like, because at one point, like, you know, they are like, Ace is like, wait, are you Merlin? Like, is this going to, you know, and I almost got the impression that like, they're from a universe where the Arthurian canon that we know is fiction is their history, mm-hmm. except with guns and lasers and stuff, as well as swords. And like, I guess given the sort of loose... MCU multiverse rules the idea that there is a doppelganger in every universe of everybody mm-hmm. like then I was like oh the doctor's doppelganger doctor ganger if you will <laughs> in in this universe is Merlin oh 
Okay. But then I don't like, but I still like our, I still like our, our Matt Smith or 12th doctor yeah. being Merlin idea. Though. Cause I like the idea. Then, so then, I like the idea of our doctor being Merlin, like stumbling into it right. and like, just kind of like, Oh, Oh, what's your name? Well, like kind of figuring it out, you know? And then just like, Oh, okay. Well yeah. I'm Merlin. And like filling that role, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He, he fell. Is, he fell from the sky one day. Yeah. <laughs> I I do I do like the idea because the sort of like Ar- Arthurian legend is just that mm-hmm. right. There's like not like there there is a I guess there's a historical basis in it, but it's not like literal, right? right of course. Yeah. Um. And so I like the idea of like what if what if Arthur is real, right? And but he's like Flash Gordon, right? Right. And then like these space knights are like show up. He shows up in their dimension, and then more more uh, Morgana like comes to our dimension, mm. and like the Doctor gets like swept up in all of that and becomes Merlin mm-hmm. in both dimensions, sort of. Mm. Yeah, he's not even from around here, right? Yeah, I don't. That's know. great. I know. Um, I like that too. The idea that he like stumbled upon this crazy dimension and became like a king. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, the Doctor and Ace they get trapped in the tunnel and then they uh, find a spaceship um, and realize that they're like under the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And uh, Ace is like messing around because there's like because like Arthur is the body of Arthur is like obviously dead but for some reason the whole story they're like well he might be asleep i don't know <laughs> but very he's obviously dead yeah. yeah um and uh and excalibur's next to him like stabbed into with this console and uh and and ace is like playing around and she's like she's like uh he's like stop that don't touch excalibur and he's like what it's not like i'm the chosen king like i'm not going to be able to pull this out of here and then immediately pulls it uh-huh. out of there <laughs> amazing yeah i was like yeah you are yeah you did <laughs> um and then like is it like a it's like a hologram Snake, snake eel thing. thing, yeah, yeah, holograms, eel, like, yeah. I, I called it the flying snake ghost in my notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Oh, because the ship was also in the form of a snake, mm. right? And there's that great moment where the doctor is like, "How are we going to open?" He's like, "How are we going to open?" And the doctor's like, "I think I have an idea." Hey, open up, and it, like the mouth opens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that is good. Um. So, uh, Ace stumbles into like this booth thing that closes behind her and then starts filling up with water for some reason. Um, and she's like going to drown and the doctor like tries to go stop it, but gets knocked out. And then that's where episode two ends. Mm-hmm. God bless Sylvester McCoy. Cause there is a great, it's a, it is kind of like an evil dead shot where the, it, the camera takes the POV of the flying snake ghost and, mm-hmm. It's flying directly towards Sylvester McCoy, and he has to like, uh, like catch the camera with his hands, mm-hmm. and then like pretend to get knocked back. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, that is pretty great. Battlefield Part Three, written by Ben Aronovich, directed by Michael Kerrigan, produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Andrew Cartmel. Air date twentieth of September, nineteen eighty nine. 
While walking near a lake, Antolin and the archaeologist discuss the legend of the lady in the lake, just as, to their astonishment, a hand appears from the lake, brandishing Excalibur. It turns out to be Ace, whom the Doctor managed to free from the spaceship below the lake. The Doctor continues to fight the spaceship's defense system, but it is only stopped when the Brigadier suddenly intervenes. Reunited, the friends leave back through the tunnel and rejoin the others at the dig. Meanwhile, Morganus sent Mordred and his knights after the Doctor and the others, with orders to take Excalibur and kill any who resist. At the hotel, the innkeepers are terrified by Morgane's cavalier killing of the helicopter pilot, but grateful, if bewildered, when she restores Elizabeth's sight to pay for her son's tab. The party splits up for the ride back to the hotel. Mordred's knights set up an ambush in the woods between the hotel and the dig, but mistakenly attack Bambera and Anselin's car, while the others make it back to the hotel safely with Excalibur in tow. A unit patrol reports that Bambera and Anselin managed to escape the knights, but the doctor points out that Mordred and his knights are still out there, and that nothing stands between them and the now unguarded missile convoy by the lake. Fortunately for the doctor, Lethbridge Stewart thought to bring along transportation. Bessie, the doctor's car from his unit days. He and the doctor depart, leaving Ace and Shao behind with Excalibur and instructions on avoiding Morgane's sorcery. Morgane leaps at her chance to snatch Excalibur from the hands of its young guardians, summoning a blue demon called the Destroyer to help her. But Ace remembers the Doctor's warning and draws a protective circle of chalk. Much to her surprise, it seems to work, until Morgane manipulates Ace and Shao into fighting each other, trying to draw one or both out of the circle, but they ultimately overcome this and embrace each other. At the dig, unit troops face off against Mordred and his knights, and Mordred himself is confronted by Anselin. But Mordred smugly announces that the battle was only a diversion for his mother's attempt at Excalibur, and that Ace and Shao stand no chance against the Destroyer. Episode 3 starts with the Doctor waking up and saving Ace. Like, that's it. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. how they solve it. He just comes to. Um, and, uh, and then the most, the coolest moment of the whole story... Um, which is like, one of you guys say it, because I think it's, it's too cool for me. To so, so, um, the, the archeology span guy and, um, the other characters are like on the shore of the lake waiting for the doctor and Ace to come back. Um, and they're talking about the legend of the lady of the lake and, and like, you know, like Excalibur, um, being gifted to Arthur through this lady of the lake. And while they're talking about this, like you see the sword break the water and then ace like floats up and like <laughs> holding the sword aloft like the lady of the lake and it's yeah. the most fucking badass thing <laughs> <laughs> it's so good <laughs> it's yeah it's great it's just so you know after last week it's just really cool to get a story that really hooks their companion up mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah, <laughs> like a lot of cool moments. Uh, they hooked her up all right. <laughs> they hooked her up to a dying alien and swapped her brains. <laughs> um... <laughs> oh. Oh boy. Anyway, um... <laughs> are we uh are we at the point where we can start ranking like saddest companion deaths? <laughs> I don't think Kosaku? so. <laughs> okay, I don't think so. I don't think we're quite there yet. There aren't a lot of companion um, deaths. No. 
No, there aren't too many. Um, Maybe okay. fate. Saddest so, fates is a better term. Mm, yeah, that's probably true. Um, Brigadier and the Doctor finally reunited. Um, and I just love at this point that Brigadier is just like, yeah, I know who you are. I don't really care what you look like. You're, you're the Doctor. <laughs> I know your vibe. I know that vibe anywhere. Yeah, what does he say? The Doctor's like, oh, how did you know it was me? And the Brigadier is like, who else would it be? Like down here at the in a, in a yeah. spaceship at the bottom of a lake, like... flailing. Oh my god! Of course, it's you. Uh, it's the best. It's, um, it's it's also really it's just really romantic. It is. It is. it is. It absolutely is. It's also fun that um, the last time the brigadier canonically meets the doctor. He's in his arc in he's in his incarnation that looks the most like the first incarnation that he met with the second doctor. Um, the second doctor and the seventh doctor are kind of similar vibes. Well, similar. They're both little guys he, with brown hair. Because he meets, you know? he meets five first. He meets five first. Yeah, doesn't he? I thought he met the three yeah. first. Or no, like. Are you talking about like? Oh no, because he 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 like he he ran into five and then like he retires and then seven. Or I'm confused. Oh yeah, you mean, but the he, first, met, he met the five first... before six. Oh, before seven oh. Is what you mean. yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, I okay. mean, I mean, the second doctor is the first doctor he met. Okay, I got you. First, first face. Yes, he saw. yes, yes. Yeah. yeah Everything's Gucci. We're uh, good. Okay. <laughs> That's what he says um, to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I love the scene with uh, Mordred like chilling in the pub. That's good stuff. Um, I also like how much he loves the microbrew beer, even though everyone says it tastes bad. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, beer probably tasted terrible back then. Mm-hmm. So this is probably just <laughs> normal for him. Um, um, but uh, I love that. Game. He has major Loki vibes. Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, uh, I thought he looked a lot like Chris Klein. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I can see that. Um, you know, like his Chris eyes Klein aren't quite as dime shaped as Chris Klein, but right. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, that was pretty sad when Morgane killed uh, Lavelle. I think that was like the only death of the ep- of the whole story. Yeah. And like for very little reason, like like she did not need to just do that. Petty. And then and then like, they're like, you can't just leave her like that. And she's like, you're right. And then she turns her to ash. There you go. Brutal. <laughs> um, oh, and then, then and then she, she she cures that woman's blindness. Yeah, but she I love the line that she says. She was like, um, we have to be going, but first let me pay my son's tab, uh, mm-hmm. and then heals her her sight Mm -hmm. um which i was like oh she's like i don't have money but i can make you not blind no more Uh, it's so weird (laughs) for a moment though for a moment though when she does that the 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 um the husband the uh the pub owner like kind of like holds his head and stuff and i was like oh are they is she gonna be like I can see, and he's like I'm blind now? Yeah, because like, like, like I thought she was gonna like swap them. Because the way that she like gestures her fingers, like she takes it from the wife, and it looks like she like bestows it to the husband, 
And that's like, I thought that was going to yeah. be a thing too. But it's like, eh, you know, whatever. Yeah. No, she she's like, a sorceress always pays her debts. <laughs> she's like, she leaves. <laughs> I guess, I don't know if this was the writer's intention, but it's kind of like, you know, we are kind of supposed to believe by the end of the story that she's not a hundo percent evil. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe it's like, I guess it's like writing a thin line. I guess kind of like Loki, where it's like, how bad can we make this character and still, There's... you know. Expect There's to that moment, I think it's in episode two, where she meets the brigadier before the brigadier um, reunites with the doctor. And, like, they're, they're, they're honoring the dead of, of, like, one of the world wars because they're just like, oh, look, it's a monument mm-hmm. to their dead. Like, we have to, like, honor them. Um, and so they have, like, a little ceasefire ceremony. And she... She basically is just like, you know, you're no, you're you're a good man. Um and it's a shame that like the next time we meet I'm going to kill you. Like pretty much. And like it's like this really weird like like warped sense of like chivalric code that I think is really interesting. Um mm-hmm. I really like her as a villain and I think uh Jean Marsh is like killing it like i really like her in this role there's there's multiple things in this story that i wish would come back i wish this arthurian stuff would come Mm -hmm. back with the merlin stuff you know and then i wish she would come back as a villain in a story or an anti-hero or whatever she pass away i desperately i don't know if she's well yeah but they can hire someone else okay um yeah, uh, they could do a younger one. I mean, she's like, right, you know, right. kind of like in her 40s here. So you could like or, get somebody like in her she, 20s or something. Mm-hmm. She is like a witch. So yeah. it could even be kind of like master rules where it's like, oh, my gosh, let's get this crazy like Rebecca yeah. Ferguson or like someone crazy to be like canonically that more more gain. But like I learned I like how to how, regenerate. I like you. how you picked the one person who has literally played Morgana Le Fay in a, in a movie. <laughs> Oh right, yeah. The kid, who, the kid who would be king, which everyone listening yes. should this should check out. Absolutely, they should wa- they should check that out. Cass, have you watched that? No, yet? I haven't because it, it wasn't playing in theaters here. Oh well, nope. it's on Disney Plus. Now, oh shit! So you should just watch. I it. will. Yeah, it, it fell from um, theaters like a suit of armor falling from <laughs> space. Yeah, through a brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah. the other thing I desperately want to come back is the Destroyer. That thing rules and it should absolutely return to dr who um this is where we see his shadowy outline right it's episode three Mm -hmm. yeah and um this is also where we see uh i guess new brigadier's finest hour where he she she's like drive yeah go ahead nick i want you to say it okay okay so there's like she's driving with Anselin and they have uh-huh. like a really cool like back and forth like, you know, oh, I'm starting to get into this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm starting to, you know, and um, there's like evil knights on the side of the road and she like pops the top of the vehicle. Well, wait, wait. In. She says Please. she says um, she says, Can, uh, have you ever in, in your you said you were from another uh, dimension? Yeah. Do they have cars in your dimension? No. Have you ever seen a car before? No. Have you ever driven a card before? No. 
Great. Hold the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And then she like, you know, like, yeah, like launches the roof, like flies off. She stands up with like a Gatling gun. <laughs> yeah. or, like, and then just mows down knights. Yeah. And then like plops back down. And then I think she asks Ansler and if he's single. Yes. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yes. That's exactly, that's the kind of thing where I'm like, the way that this show is shot at this point is doing this script a disservice because like that is such a killer. Mo- that's that is a that is a Stephen Moffat scene like that scene. You can wholesale lift and have it directed by Rachel. Mal- like, uh, you know, Talani. anybody. Yeah. Any, anybody from anybody from New Who. And, and like it would be even better than it already is in this show. But like it's just. Yeah, it the it's so interesting watching this era and seeing it surpass the quality of the writing surpassing like the way that the show is made mm-hmm. now, you know. You know, Bambera is a very Moffity character. He always really liked the kind of larger than life, like no one's this cool, but right. Like in my show, people can be this cool, you know, you can be right. like Lady Vastra. Yeah. Yeah. It's why I'm actually so surprised that his um his brigadier, brigadier's daughter, that like she's not cooler than she is. Like she's a vibe, and I like her, but like she never gets steps more... into like holy shit, this chick is cool. <laughs> you know, she's a bit more born identity. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. She's she's a bit um, more of like a brigadier uh, exposition. Aww. Um Unfortunately, she had some cool moments in uh, Flux. I thought that's true. That's true. There was definitely. I maybe maybe uh, Russell will be able to figure something out to do with her. Is definitely is she coming back for the finale? The I don't know. I don't know. I don't think anybody died in Flux. Like I don't think any of the. I think every like all the classic companions and whatnot. I think they all made it out. Yeah, probably. Um, uh, oh yeah, and so they're uh, they're evacuating the area, and uh, and the doctor gives Ace uh, a piece of chalk, mm-hmm. and was like, draw a circle around you and anyone you want to protect, as long as you're holding Exc- Excalibur. And she's like, okay, whatever, man, cool. <laughs> Sounds crazy. Um, and then uh, our 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 next big, like, uh, a guest star of the story, um, the return of Bessie. Yes, the third doctor's, the third doctor's uh, automobile. <laughs> it's pretty admirable how it's directed, like the reveal of it, like you know the swoosh when they tear the blanket off or whatever. But yeah. like going back to your note earlier, it's like yeah, you can imagine like how this would be shot now, like the kind of the more like the sky folly way of like really showing Still off. Bessie. Yeah. Yeah. And now instead of who won, it now says who seven, because mm-hmm. he's the seventh doctor. You see, um, I don't know who's changing out that license plate for him, but uh... the brigadier. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> You're right. Is Bessie. Is there any part of Bessie that is like Tardisy? 
No. Or it's like it a totally like normal Earth car. or anything. It has like, it has some like fun stuff in it, but like nothing TARDIS. Yeah, yet, I don't I think say. so. Okay. Because yeah. I was going to say that could be the license plate could be like it's one magic y thing if it, it knows what incarnation of the doctor it is. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I thought you were going to say like every time it crashes, it regenerates and then the license plate <laughs> changes. <laughs> it's the seventh bestie. <laughs> Yeah. Bessie, no. Um <laughs> Brigadier, I've, I've, I've accidentally wrecked Bessie. Oh, no, it didn't regenerate, did it? Oh. <laughs> Bother. Oh, it happened again. Oh, it's red now. Oh, oh no. It's, it's like this. And oh. then it acts and then it acts erratically for like a day and then it gets <laughs> <over>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> The third Bessie just drove her, just did donuts for 24 <laughs> hours. Uh, this one's shit. <laughs> Is it done yet? <laughs> Great. Headcam. Uh, um, so, yeah. Uh, so, so Ace and, uh, and uh, her new friend are in the chalk circle. And they start hearing each other, like, say mean stuff to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's all uh, it's all more gain. Yeah. Working that was a sweet moment. Trying to get them to break the chalk circle. Mm-hmm. And then Ace catches herself and she's like, oh, Xiao Young, I can never be mad at you. We're like, they hug. Yeah. The thing that she says right before that, though, I was like, whoa. Because uh, yeah. I'd be pissed if someone called me yellow. Like... <laughs> Like there was it, 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 that was when I was like, oh, this is magic because they started going below the belt like so mm-hmm. fast. Yeah. I bet you stupid parents didn't even want you, you pyromaniac. And she was like, hi. Yeah. I wish I do wish, though, that the racist thing had uh, been the thing to snap her out of it like as soon as it like left her mouth she was like wait a minute what? well it is because she doesn't finish what she's saying and she's just like wait a minute oh okay um yeah and then uh and then the destroyer shows up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's like uh he's like a my pet monster yeah because <laughs> he's like manacled right uh god he looks so good <laughs> he looks so good. Battlefield, Part 4, written by Ben Aronovich, directed by Michael Kerrigan, produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Andrew Cartmel, air date 27th of September, 1989. Mordred offers the Doctor a trade, the girl's lives for Excalibur, but the Doctor, outraged, threatens to decapitate him unless Morgane surrenders himself. But... Mordred calls the Doctor's bluff. He knows of Merlin's distaste for taking life. And while he is proven right about the Doctor, the Brigadier pulls his gun and declares that he has no such problem. The two old friends force Mordred into their car and head back to the hotel. They arrive just as the Destroyer, under Morgane's command, has nearly brought the hotel down on Ace and Chow. The Doctor finds them under a pile of rubble, relieved that they were able to stay alive even at the cost of surrendering Excalibur to Morgane. Morgane frees the Destroyer, leaving it to do what it does best in this universe, while she and Mordred flee to their own universe. The Doctor deduces that since the Destroyer was bound in silver chains, it will be vulnerable to silver bullets. Upon hearing this plan, the Brigadier distracts the Doctor, knocks him out, and takes his gun, loaded with the silver bullets, 
to spare the doctor the duty of killing the destroyer himself. Confronting the creature, the brigadier trades barbs with the destroyer before he loads the silver bullets into it, destroying the creature in a green explosion. The doctor and Ace witness the explosion and find the brigadier's body. The doctor begins to mourn his old friend only to discover that the brigadier has miraculously survived. Meanwhile, Morgane and Mordred cross back into our world and take Bambera hostage. They force her to divulge the launch codes of the nuclear missile and prepare it for launch. Anselin, the Doctor, Ace, and the Brigadier return, Excalibur, to the spaceship under the lake, where they find that the sword activates the spaceship but does not resurrect Arthur. According to a note left by the Doctor for himself from the future and the past, Arthur was killed in the Battle of Canlan, not placed in suspended animation. The note also warns that Morgane now has control of the nuclear missile and the four friends rush back to the surface. While Ace and the Brigadier destroy the spaceship, the Doctor tries to stop the missile launch. Morgane is determined to go through with it, but when the Doctor explains the full horror of nuclear warfare, she relents with seconds to spare. She demands, instead, that King Arthur face her for a final confrontation, but the Doctor reveals that Arthur is dead, and she is stricken with sudden and unexpected grief, leading to Mordred and Morgane surrendering to Unit. Back at the Lethbridge Stewart house, the Brigadier and Anselin are left to work in the garden while the Doctor cooks supper. In the meantime, Doris, Shao, Ace, and Bambera have commandeered Bessie for a girl's trip into town. Episode 4, the Doctor threatens to decapitate Mordred. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I like when uh, the Brigadier shoots. Is it does he shoot destroyer or does he shoot at more or uh, does he shoot at Morgan? Um, I think no, it's just the destroyer. Oh. He like fires into them and the doc. Okay, and oh, the yeah, doctor's like the destroyer, yeah. like really, Ben? And he's like, well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Oh no, I think yeah, yeah. he does. He does. He, he uses it twice because he doesn't have the silver bullets yet. The first time, yes, right, yes, right. Um. But yeah, so he's like, so Mordred is like, you're not gonna fucking kill me. You, I know about Merlin. He's a good guy. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're not gonna do nothing. And he's like, ah, darn it, you're right, <laughs> Dag Nabbit Drat. Um, and then, uh, and then the Brigadier just pulls out a gun <laughs> and just is like, why don't you look up the history books on me, motherfucker? Right? I like that Mordred takes one look at this guy and it's just like, oh no, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, this guy will kill me. Yeah. 100%. Um, so uh, I excuse all of my actions for the crown. I can do anything. <laughs> and I like when he does it, too. The doctor's like, bring it to your no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, doctor. Man's got to do what a man's got to do. <laughs> the old-timey Come box morning effect. I like when when the brigadier is like threatening to kill him um and Mordred's like mom can you help me and she's just like oh well <laughs> die well my son and he <laughs> just like, he like pouts <laughs> oh man he still has her back later though mm-hmm. <clears throat> um I thought he was going to turn on her and I thought uh I thought Mordred and uh uh, Ansel, Anselin were, were going to be like bros. And I was like, I was like, man, this is going to really turn out just like the one. <laughs> uh, 
like medieval Thor and Loki. Because <laughs> aren't they aren't they like half brothers or something like that? Uh, uh, no, no, Mordred is Arthur's bastard son. I think so. Right. I think in some in some yeah things because like he hooks up with Morgana versions. Yeah. His half sister, right? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Real nice. So it'd be like real Thor. Game of Thrones. <laughs> <bullshit>. <laughs> <laughs> or most of history. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, <laughs> you think I know history? <laughs> I know pop culture, buddy. You watch a lot of Doctor Who, though. <laughs> he does historical stuff. Um, that's that's <laughs> that's that's all the history I learned. And as we as we <laughs> learned uh, during the research for this story, um, not a lot of uh, medieval set Doctor Who stories. <laughs> Um, right, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, um, Ace up my sleeve. Incredible line. Mm-hmm. Oh, hell yeah. How long were they sitting on that? How long oh, were man. they like, no, 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 not yet. It's not time yet. Don't do it. She's going to do something so cool one day. <laughs> uh, um, we get the big battle in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lots of uh, lots of lots of dead. There's like this scene where he's like, "Yeah, like Anselin's like, yeah, it's battle time. Let's do this thing." And uh, and new brigadier's like, "Um, I don't want to do that. Uh, that seems. <laughs> I know I seem all gung ho and everything, but uh, I don't know." Um, and then he's like, "What do you mean? It's just thirty people. We can take them. Get two of us. Yeah. <laughs> we we got this. <laughs> this is insane. We're in love. We can do anything." <laughs> Oh man. Um so um oh yeah, so 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 yeah, so this is the moment where where Briggs shoots the shoots the destroyer without silver bullets. Mm-hmm. And then the destroyer is just like <laughs> and then shoots him through a window. <laughs> and the doctor's like, "Hey, that's not on." <laughs> pretty good um and then the 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 doctor is like uh uh morgane like wants excalibur mm-hmm. and it says like i'll set the destroyer free on your on your earth if uh if you don't give me excalibur and he's like well i'm not giving you excalibur but i know that you're not going to set him free because uh that would be insane and then she immediately sets him free and she's he's like well god damn it <laughs> which is the best <laughs> it's so good uh ace was like ace was like well way to go doctor and i was like whoa she never calls him doctor and like it's almost like it almost felt sarcastic Mm -hmm. yeah oh man so good um and then we get we get uh demonic striptease where he's just busting out of that armor off each yeah, mm-hmm. there there is one moment where the costume doesn't hold up, where he stretches a little too far, and you see a lot of flesh-colored skin <laughs> on his <Yep>. neck <laughs> for like a split second. Flew a little too. I close had to, to rewind it because I was like, "Wait, did I see what I thought I saw?" And I was like, "Yep, sure did." Bring it in, buddy. There it is. <laughs> so um, uh, the doctor they 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 get out the doctor and Ace, and then like the doctor is like, "Well." nothing for it gonna have to kill something with a gun <laughs> yep he starts loading up a gun with silver bullets he's like i 
I think it's, I think this is the only way. Um, hate, hate shooting stuff, but you got to do what you got to do. And Brigadier's like, oh, I love shooting stuff. So <laughs> I'll do it for you. Yeah. Judo chops his ass. <laughs> he judo chops the doctor. Yeah. Ironically. In the chest, unconscious. Like <laughs> he judo chops him in the chest, and <laughs> the doctor is knocked unconscious. You know what's and then he <laughs> like thinking about that he goes into wreck house. I love the idea that like the doctor is probably the one who taught him how to do that because he's all like the third doctor's always yeah. like karate chopping stuff. Yeah, hell yeah! How dare you use oh. my spells? <laughs> <laughs> and then the brigadier uh, goes back inside to literally wreck house. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, shoots shoots that thing in the chest, which we see the bullet enter its body, which is like <laughs> shockingly violent for for an episode mm-hmm. of Doctor Who. I mm-hmm. think um, um, it, the line is he's like, "Oh, like, are you really like the best? Is this the strongest Br- that Britain could could come up with?" And he's like, "No, nope. best champion, mm-hmm. yeah, the best champion." He's like, "Nope, but I do the best that I can." <laughs> yeah, blam. <laughs> Blam. And then yeah. you think I love that I love that when they think that he's Ace is like, oh, he's dead. He's cooked. No chance. <laughs> you see how that building went up? <laughs> the first thing you see is his little hat on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they find him and, and the doctor like cradles him in his arms. He's oh. like, No, my boy, my dear sweet boy. I loved you more than all the others. <laughs> You oh, there's a part where he says you were supposed to die in your bed, and I was like, oh, he does, yeah. Oh. Like it was a cool bit of like, you know, like I, that's a part where he's like, oh no, he passed, and like oh, it, it, it's like another cool moment where the show is like kind of playing forward in a way that it hasn't mm-hmm. kind of accidentally, yeah. yeah. Or did Moffat like wait? No, there's this line in. In Battlefield, where the doctor says you die in your bed, so it's like that's how he has to. Yeah, that's probably that's probably what he did. But either way, I mean, I love I love that. I think it's really mm-hmm. cool. Now, if only he had paid off the Merlin thing too. <laughs> Son of a bitch, Moffat. <laughs> <laughs> what are you good for? <laughs> maybe maybe we're just rebooting showrunners, and in five years we'll get Moffat <laughs> Moffat two point and then he'll do Merlin. Then yeah, he's ready then. <laughs> yeah. Um did you guys hear did you hear that rumor that he's that he's writing an episode for the new No. Season? Yeah. Like like old God times. damn it. Like just like right. I hate one that episode. I'm excited. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm I'm more excited by that than the prospect of him having a whole season again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just cuz sure. Like, I like the idea of him just being like, all right, I'm just going to burn the barn down. Hey, I got like 40 pages. Let's do it. Then I'm out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, <sighs> he wrote a 13th Doctor <laughs> prose story that was really good. And it made me. Yeah, it was like, good. I read yeah. that too. Yeah. I really um, but yeah, I mean, this still ends with <laughs> still. I can't I can't emphasize this enough that this story features the brigadier point blank shooting a demon in the chest <laughs> and winning. Hell yeah, he wins. <laughs> um is the Morgana stuff after this or before this? How that resolves. After That's this. After. 
Okay. After this, because you think like, well, we can't reach any any higher than this, and uh, you're mostly right. Most mostly right. That's that's sort of the climax, um, I think. What's the name of the actor that plays Morgane? Uh, Jean Marsh. Um, Jean Marsh. She, yes. Jean Marsh. She she sells the crap out of that last scene. Mm. Yes. It is so much more poignant than. Like and, and kind of on the page, it's just like kind of any like, oh my god, Arthur's dead. I'm never going to see him again. But it's just like you can kind of feel the ancient nature of that character. It almost is like, oh man, I don't know. She just really she crushes that mm-hmm. moment. Yeah, it's a it's a really great scene and a really great sort of like soft ending to the story. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, the doctor's able to like through his conviction is like. Don't do this is so stupid. Like you can't you have to be better than this, right? Mm-hmm. Like no one wins right. if you do this. She's like, You're right. Yeah, that's good. There's also a scene where the doctor leaves a note for himself in the spaceship. Which I mm-hmm. assume is from Merlin Doctor. Yes. It's yeah. from yeah. yeah. So she it he says, basically yeah, he tells him King that, Yeah. Go ahead. I was like King died in battle, everything else propaganda. Right. And then that's what he tells to Morgane. P.S. She's like, wait, why am I doing any of this? No, the, the, the P.S. Morgane has a nuke. Like. like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Which is very Bill and Ted because it's like, oh, shit. How is the how are they going to learn that? Oh, the doctor, future doctor just tells them. Yeah. Well, there, there's this great moment. There's this great moment, too, where uh, I, I forget. I think it's Ace that finds the note. She's like, there's a note here. And he was like, well, I don't know that we can trust that. And then she's like, it's from you. It's from the doctor. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, we definitely trust that. <laughs> I guess it worked out. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really, I'm delighted by the image of like 11 or 12 one day being like, oh crap, I got to go to that Merlin dimension and do that thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um. What if that Merlin episode is is uh, is the Moffat episode that he's writing for the new season? <laughs> but it's shooting Catwa. <laughs> okay, Merlin. I really want that to happen because Black Merlin would make people so mad, and I would love it so oh, much. Oh man, would it ever? It'd be the best. <laughs> it, it would, would. Be the best. Oh, oh man. Um. So anyway. Everything's everything's good, and then uh, Ace takes uh, Bessie and the girls on a on a trip to town, mm-hmm. um, including including Brigadier's wife, who tells the doctor uh, to make sure the dinner is ready when they get back. <laughs> it's baller. It because she's got uh, Ace has the automobile gla- like yes! goggles. Yeah, she puts on the goggles, and like they drive away, and Ancelin's like, "Aren't they magnificent?" And- and Brigadier's like, well, I, I, I didn't, I don't want to cook. That. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Ah, uh, and so ends an absolute banger of an mm-hmm. episode. Terrific. That's that's something that I do. I do like how Seventh Doctor stories end. They usually end really strongly, like in a really like fun, charactery mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. Guy um, falls down an elevator shaft. Yep. <laughs> right exactly um so yeah uh so that's that's our seventh doctor story this this time around um love it 
<sighs> Good time. I would, I would say every once in a while, I think like, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this and um, like, I, I would think that I, I would say this is like a really great entry level, like new classic who episode. If you're a fan of the, the new version of the show. hundred percent. Yeah. This is a really good one mm-hmm. to watch. Um, so yeah, check out Battlefield if you've never seen it before. But uh, also check out our Patreon, duallygenre.com slash support. Um, support us there. Let us know you're joining for the Doctor's Companion, and we'll start making Patreon content. Um, and uh, next week, 8th Doctor, Big Finish Audio, Embrace the Darkness. Um, the next batch of, 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 of uh, TDC episodes are going to come uh, fast and heavy um, because... Uh, we have to get them out before the the centenary special. I don't know centenary. Centennial? centennial. That's not going to happen. Centennial, centennial special. Okay. Um, it, they all sound like made up words to me. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but but uh, yeah, the the final thirteenth Doctor story is coming out um, in October. So we gotta. Is that we got to hit you with a bunch of these? So that, we'll, we're going to start releasing. What, um, so, was that what? confirmed that it's in October, or is it just like fall still? Yes. Oh, okay. No, no, no. It's it, it has to be October because that's when those the BBC's centennial like oh, celebration is happening. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. So, uh, we're going to be sort of um shooting these uh, episodes out every Sunday and Tuesday. Um, for the rest of the season, so you get two episodes a week, uh, which makes sense because they will likely be a little shorter than the other ones, um, just because you know we don't do the big involved uh, recaps with the new Who stuff because everybody's seen those and uh, they're shorter, so there's less to there's less to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, but uh, yeah, that all starts next week with the Eighth Doctor. Um, Big Finish Audio story, Embrace the Darkness, um, which we'll be covering on Sunday, this coming Sunday. So look for that. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.